I, I love just being a connector kind of person. And for business, it, it works for me being able to say, oh, you should know that person. Oh, you should know that person. And, you know, you do that a couple of times and people start referring back to you. Podcast Junkies, episode 157. I'm back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. This is the show where we have amazing, engaging, entertaining, fascinating, all-around fun conversations with the people that I love to talk to, people that are in and around and making things happen in the fantastic and fabulous world of podcasting. It's a super meta show. It's a podcast about podcasters. And we are going 157 episodes strong, hitting the four-year mark this year in April. That's going to be crazy. I haven't even thought about what to do then. So, so many milestones to celebrate. And I think it's important to celebrate the wins. Like last week's episode with Andrew Mason. He's the former CEO of Groupon, in case you didn't recognize the name. And we had a great conversation. He's the founder of a new service called Descript. And it's a transcription service with a twist. It actually lets you edit the audio file after, uh, as a result of editing the text. So really interesting. And I just, it's one of those because of my podcast stories, shout out to Dave Jackson <laughs> uh, of School of Podcasting. He always talks about that, these things that come about as a result of having the show, of having the platform, of having the stage for people to come on and tell their stories. And I never in a million years would have thought I, I would have had the the opportunity to interview CEOs on my podcast about podcasts. So it's just it's just really nice and it's really fun and it's just uh, affirmation for you. I posted something in a couple of Facebook forums that I'm a part of. Just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep following your passion and eventually like these opportunities will arise because uh, you know when you're when you're doing what you love, you're infusing it with such enthusiasm that it's contagious and people love it and then the show grows and then people uh, become aware of it. So uh Stick with it, <laughs> have faith that things are going to turn around if you're just getting started. And if you've been doing this for a while, then you definitely know what I'm talking about. This week, we have the pleasure of speaking with Charles Beckwith. He's the host of American Fashion, Fashion is Your Business, and he's also created a network called Mouth Media Network. He used to run an online fashion magazine, and he dropped out of undergrad as a filmmaker, uh, and he's also interned on Dawson's Creek. One of the things we talk about is sponsorship, and he talked about specifically his relationship with Sennheiser and the value that he saw and they saw in terms of them partnering together. He explains this idea of fashion technology. We find out where his love of fashion comes from. We delve into how he's grown as a host since the start of his show and why he has a love-hate relationship with the show Project Runway. We dive into Mouth Media Network and the podcast player called Mouth Player that he and his team are developing. I got a sneak peek of it at LA PodFest last year, and it really is something. I, I can't wait for you guys to take a look at it. We also talk about his approach to networking and making connections, and I can vouch for that because he actually um, got the group together here in LA, uh, and he's not from LA, and, and I, I was at a uh, local meetup, and I met some other folks that I hadn't had talked to in a while, so he does that really well, so we talk about the importance of that. Don't forget that full show notes are always going to be available on the website podcastjunkies.com slash 157 for this one specifically. On the subject of networking, one of the things that I think is really important for me and it's important, been important for both my business and the podcast is attending conferences. And one of my favorite conferences is Podcast Movement. And I'm happy to say that they're a sponsor of this episode. 
I can't say enough good things about the team. Uh, Jared and Dan Franks have been good to me, and I've been, developed a relationship with them since the beginning. I remember when it was a Kickstarter campaign, and they were just trying to get uh, a handful of people to this event. And when they realized how much enthusiasm was building in the community, I think they realized they were onto something. And I'm so happy to say I've been an attendee at the first one. I was proudly wearing my four-year uh, attendee badge this year. It's such an amazing conference because it's grown so much, and there's something for everyone, which I think is why it's it's so important for the podcasting community. It's nice for us to have something where we can go, and for the people who've been there for a while, we can network in the hallways, and that's been some of the best stories and best connections that I've made. Guests that have, you've heard on this show have come from podcast movement. And what I love now is that they're really diving into these specific tracks so that you can focus on what's going to be important for you and your podcast. There's going to be tracks this year on creation, technical, industry, marketing, monetization, and society, culture, and advocacy. It's been amazing to see their growth. This year, it's going to be in Philadelphia. The dates are July 23rd through the 26th, and it's going to be at the Philadelphia Marriott downtown. So head on over to podcastmovement.com to pick up your tickets. The early bird sale ends in 15 days as of this recording on the 16th. So make sure you get there so you get a good deal on the tickets. Two of the featured speakers are going to be none other than Terry Gross and Pat Flynn, an amazing one-two combo, so make sure you check that out. Don't forget to use the promo code PODCASTJUNKIES when you buy your ticket. We are also sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is a premier hosting company for podcasters. And one of the things I love about Podbean is they make it super simple for folks to sign up. They have plans starting as low as $9 for unlimited hosting. Head on over to podbean.com slash podcastjunkies. Stay tuned till the end of the episode where reveal this week's retention hashtag. But for now, let's enjoy this conversation with Charles. So Charles Beckwith, host of American Fashion Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on Podcast Junkies. Hi, how are you, Harry? <laughs> I always like to give the listener a little bit of the, the backstory of how we met. So this was, um, it's a, a fairly new friendship. Uh, we connected at LA Podfest. It's probably been a, uh, about four, I always look this way because that's where my wall calendar is. Um, about the, Three, four weeks now, maybe has it been that long? And it was, uh, it's, it's always interesting because that's a comedy focused, uh, podcast, but it, I always feel like I make good connections in the hallways because there's always people that are there for the first time who had just heard about it. So, um, I believe that was your first time at the conference, correct? Yeah. I didn't even know it was a comedy podcast festival because yeah. it's just the LA podcast yeah. festival. Uh, and, um, uh, I kind of swapped out at the last moment. Somebody else was wanting to go and then um couldn't because they had to go to copenhagen for something else and so um yeah i got to go and it was fun i got to meet interesting people and have conversations about how podcasts function and i i like the how how things fit together and how this leads to that and if you take this part out it doesn't work but if you change this it does this other thing any of that stuff i, I just i'm fascinated by it so I, had you attended a, a lot of podcasting conferences uh, up until that point? No, I had gone to uh, a thing up at the Harvard Law School, which was um, from uh, Radio Public and this group called uh, Syndicated Media, Media. They have a Slack group and they, they talk about kind of the future of RSS feeds and how to get more information, the right information delivered to the players. And they were kind of 
banging their heads against the wall because iTunes doesn't change. And then mm-hmm. suddenly iTunes changed and a lot of the things that they were having all these grand schemes to fix kind of got fixed overnight. So the idea of running a podcast in a narrative podcast, um, having the first episode be at the top of the list on iTunes, yeah. being able to have that as an option, they, they were trying to build lots of stuff to make that possible. And then it just started working because Apple changed its mind. Yeah. I guess it's it's one of those, uh, it's almost like a hashtag or a meme. Like, you know you're a podcast nerd when you go to conferences or, or, or talks that mention RSS feeds. <laughs> it's the stuff that we all geek out about. And it's something that I think only the folks in our podcasting circles could could uh, could attend or relate to. Yeah. And I, I think I said uh, Radio Public. I meant uh, Public Radio Exchange, PRX. Oh, yeah, PRX, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it, was, it was them and this syndicated dot media group. When did you record your very first podcast? Uh, probably June 2014, May or June 2014. Okay. And uh, we didn't release it until July. Yeah. I Like every podcaster, yeah, it, <laughs> you're not satisfied with, with how, how that first one came out? Well, um, I didn't have the mechanism of booking guests yet. And um, we, we did the first couple of episodes without guests. It was just me and two other former fashion editors from an online fashion magazine that I used to run, we have great conversations offline about the fashion business and how it works. And then I was looking for ways to promote how to make things locally and sustainable in the United States, how to manufacture things here and uh, reshore production, bring things back. And there weren't great communication tools for that at that time there were a lot of people who were interested in it and i was talking to them but they didn't have like a magazine or a tv show that was their thing mm-hmm. um and video seemed a little expensive and we didn't have a lot of space to do a regular uh like youtube show so yeah i, I just had all the audio equipment because i'm a filmmaker yeah. and um just went for it and how long had you been a filmmaker at that point uh I dropped out of undergrad and graduate school as a filmmaker. So long time interned on Dawson's Creek and uh, interned at a place that made the behind the scenes featurettes Mm -hmm. for a bunch of feature films down in North Carolina at Screen Gems. So I've been in movies for a long time, but I kind of switched to fashion because I got angry at film (laughs) education and I wanted to teach myself to be a better director. And so I thought if I learn how to be a fashion photographer, I'll learn how to create more dynamic images. That's that's another long story. Yeah, I'm I'm sure there's a lot of threads. I just realized there was a pun there, but I'm sure there's a lot of threads we can tease out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So I'm curious about a lot of things here. So. I get the sense that you are familiar with and comfortable with technology. I'm, I'm, we're obviously regular listeners will know that we do that. We do our interviews face to face. You've got an interesting microphone there. So, uh, can you tell me what you're currently using? Uh, yeah, this is an, uh, a Sennheiser MK4 and, uh, mouth media network. Our, our company is actually sponsored by Sennheiser or, or as we say on the show, powered by Sennheiser. Yeah. And they hooked us up. We have two studios uh, in New York City, which actually other podcast producers will be uh, welcome to come and use soon. Oh. Uh, we're we're going to let other people come and use it in exchange for saying that they're at our studio because we're doing some other stuff we want to promote. Yeah, so we're using an MK4 right here, and we also have some 935E uh, 
directional microphones that we have to use for live events because condenser microphones and live sound don't mix so well. Yeah, yeah. And so how did the relationship with Sennheiser come about? Well, we, we have uh, one of our team members uh, works primarily on partnerships and okay. a friend of a friend had recommended that you go check out their concept store and he met somebody and it just worked out. It's been a couple of months in the making. Oh, nice. Yeah. We have, I, a, a, we have two giant Sennheiser signs on either side of me. I don't know if you can see them. Yeah, I do. I do see one of them. Oh yeah. You can see the one up in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's great. Now, as every podcaster knows, it's always a, a great idea to start establishing relationships with sponsors as early as possible. This microphone, the, the SM7B uh, that I'm on right now is, is a result of a sponsorship with Shure as well um, for Podcast Junkies. So I think it's always interesting. And I think I think when sponsors see the value of partnering with you or getting in front of your audience, I think that's when they, they, they feel like that it's something that, that, that could work for them. Was that the case with Sennheiser? Yeah, I mean, when we do a live event for not my show, but our other show, which is called Fashion is Your Business, we surveyed the people that, we, you know, we just invited our friends to come to our live podcast, and it was like 40% CEOs and founders and 35% uh, directors and VPs, so the room is full of decision makers, mm. So we kind of have a secret sauce there that we're just really networked. We're connector people. That's really the business we're in is connecting people and helping people do business better. Uh, we've done quite a bit of consulting with fashion technology in that area, but now we're looking at other areas like podcasting. It's fun. What, how do you define fashion technology? Well, the fashion business is a really old business. Yeah. Probably one of our first technologies as a species was textiles, you know, just weaving things together so they're stronger. But 10 years ago, most fashion designers didn't even know how to check their own email. They were still using fax machines. Some of them still are. It's crazy. So the fashion industry has had these little jumps and spurts forward in what technology they use. Retail tech is really where the money is right now, but also fiber science, mm -hmm. uh, material science. We have a, a new show called Material Is Your Business, which is all about uh, material science wow. with two two really serious experts, um, which is, I like that show. That's fun. It's they, so, they it's, it's so interesting, uh, the timing on, <laughs> on the way things happen. I was uh, reading, catching up on my Fast Company magazine this morning, and I don't know if you've seen it, but Stella McCartney's in it, and she's talking about how she's always been vegan in her materials from the beginning, and she's looking at this new polymer that would replicate silk, and just traditionally made from you know spiders, and it's so strong and flexible, and you know everyone who's in fashion knows the history of that, but I think she's really interested in pushing the boundaries of what can be done with um, some man-made materials that have less of an impact on environment. Yeah. There's a lot of conflicting information out there. People will say, oh, this is vegan leather, and that just means it's plastic. <laughs> They'll say PU leather, which means polyurethane leather. Yeah. So you take a piece of leather, then you make a mold of its idiosyncrasies, its little texture in plastic, yeah. and then replicate that a thousand times, and then make leather jackets out of it, only they're plastic, just thick plastic. Some stuff that's coming up is really cool. They're uh, trying to grow leather out of algae, mm. and they're using stem cells to just grow cow skin, different stuff like that that's 
really fascinating, but not here yet. Yeah. Um, the kind of the, the Holy grail of fashion tech, which we just, we discussed in one of our episodes with, uh, Dr. Amanda Parks was batteries. Um, you don't want to have a battery powered piece of clothing with a heavy yeah. battery. Yeah. So people are looking at suspensions where when you move the, the gel kind of moves around in it and it creates friction and mm. it generates energy yeah. and, and then fabric based batteries where the energy is actually stored in the fibers. Yeah, the, I think it was the same. I think it was the same issue where they talked about uh, Levi's partnership with Google in creating uh, the wearable tech denim jacket, and the I think you swiped down on the sleeve to answer the phone, or it was really interesting. Like they really completely had to uh, reimagine, like you know, uh, especially something like a denim jacket that I'm sure gets a lot a, a, a good beating out in the environment. And so those are going to be the challenges. But it's really it must be a really exciting time to be. Uh, and doing anything around wearable wearable tech. I think it is. Uh, a lot of that stuff is focused around Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Navy Yard, the Brooklyn Fashion and Design Accelerator. There's some great groups doing interesting stuff. There is a lot of people also in the water who are looking for money, and they just have horrible concepts. Just oh, yeah. like, what are you promoting? This, that's not a thing. What? <laughs> uh, but, you know, they, they get in front of investors, and the investors don't know mm. about fashion. and. Yeah. You know, we've got lots of terminology in the fashion business, so they can spit out all these things and people don't know. Like the, the idea of custom shoes. We just did an episode with a company that's making custom shoes. Usually a custom shoe, a high heel, it's going to cost you about $3,000. And this company is doing it for $250. You put an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper on the floor. You put your foot down on the piece of paper so there's a reference for scale and you take a couple of pictures based on the app telling you when to take the picture and they build a 3D model of your foot and then they put little pads in. And it's interesting. I mean, they're they're really dropping the price point there but they're not reinventing the shoe. Mm. And I don't see a lot of technology in fashion really being revolutionary yet. I wrote a long article for business of fashion, which is our big kind of online trade publication. We have women's wear daily apparel, California apparel news and business of fashion, business of fashion is based in London, but I wrote a long article about blockchain technology and the fashion and how the fashion industry could use it. But I cannot imagine the fashion industry actually cooperating enough coming together enough and cooperating to make it practical because they, they just don't play together. Mm. It's a, it's a, you know, you're swimming with sharks in fashion and they, they don't cooperate very much. It's not, it's sharks, not dolphins, you know? <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, this idea of blockchain has been fascinating for me as well. I think I'm going to start lining up some folks who are doing really good uh, podcasting podcasts around there. Cause it's an opportunity for me to learn, but that's a whole nother rabbit hole blockchain. And I'm interested in people are, are applying that to podcasting technology as well. I imagine that's in the works, if if not around the corner. Yeah. Well, that was one of the ideas from syndicated media was to replace iTunes as the central repository of pod, podcast RSS feeds with a blockchain and have it so that no one company or entity controls it. And there's mm-hmm. kind of shared, it's a very, internet age kind of idea yeah it's interesting because i I, I don't know where that's going right now and for the listener blockchain is is sort of like a very simple way to describe it is almost like the operating system 
that's decentralized and it's the basis on which bitcoin was built if, if i'm not mistaken so yeah that's the most one of the most popular use cases of it is, is bitcoin but now it can be applied to other things where there's really no once it's up and running there's no way to no central location to shut down or you know it's it's replicated in multiple servers and i think it just has a lot of applications for a ton of different industries i forget the term but there is a way to impact a blockchain mm-hmm. um that if a government like Russia or China or the United States, maybe Germany, decided to dedicate resources to disrupting a cryptocurrency, they could. Yeah. There's, you know, you put enough resources in and you can break it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, which, sure, that, which, I'm, I'm sure that's the case with uh, yeah. if, they, if they put enough technology or uh, resources at it, I'm, I'm sure they could definitely disrupt it. Yeah. All, all oil right now in the world is traded on US dollars. Mm-hmm. And China wants it to be on their currency. And it's a little bit of an economic fight to keep control of this. And actually a couple of wars have happened because people were trying to break off of the dollar for their own oil. Yeah. It's interesting times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very interesting times. So uh, so yeah. back, back to uh, wh- where did your love of, of fashion come from? Did, do you, can you recall like a specific moment or time in your life? Um, well, my mother's an industrial designer, so I've always been around kind of creative stuff, little accessories in the house, but I'm not really a clothing person. I'm more interested in how complicated it is. I like computers because they're complicated. I like producing media because it's complicated and I like the fashion business because it's complicated. Mm -hmm. So there aren't a lot of podcasts about fashion style because it's such a visual thing. So my show, American Fashion Podcast, is about how the business works. Um, we talk to people who do marketing, and we talk to people who are creating the, their own collections about what stumbling box they're hitting and things like that. And have you had any notable conversations or something that you were uh, pleasantly surprised by in, in the course of the 150-plus episodes? Is that what you're at now? Yeah, yeah I, think, I think we're at 153 yeah. right now. And I've I've got twenty because I did the LA trip. Oh yeah. Uh, I've got about twenty that are unedited, and wow. I've, I've got the guests really are like, when's this coming out? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the the one I released this morning was from August, so and this is November, so yeah, yeah I I have to step up the post production thing. But uh, so your question was um, notable episodes no, that, are they notable, come, that come to mind. Uh, I love the ones where we get the really big designers who aren't just big because they have a name, but because they're super creative and they really know what they're doing. Naeem Khan, Ralph Rucci. There's three designers from a group called three as four, which is all spelled as one word. Three as four is all one word. Um, And the way they think about how to make clothing and how to make something that somebody will enjoy and these people make the timeless pieces, you know, they, mm-hmm. Ralph Rucci, we, we titled his episode, bringing billionaires into Barney's because <laughs> billionaires literally would go to Barney's because his clothing was sold there Oh, funny! and they wouldn't otherwise. So Barney's loved him. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's been fun. We, we've had some really great conversations and I, I like the hour long sit down. I do it with usually with two or one or two co-hosts. Right now, my co-host is Kathy Sheppis. Mm-hmm. 
Lisa Maria Rodano and Seth Friedman were my first co-hosts. And I like having a panel just kind of tag teaming on the questions and keeping it going around because, you know, Lisa was kind of the bleeding heart and she was the emotional one. And, and Seth was really into the emerging designers and, and how they're surviving and what doesn't work in the business. And then I was into the technology. And now the dynamics kind of shifted because Kathy's um, ran business and product for like Kate Spade and oh, wow. uh, Don, Don. She was the president of Doncaster, which is a, a shopping by mail service. And now she's consulting and she has time to do a podcast, which is fantastic because she's so knowledgeable. How, how have you grown as a, as a host since the start of the show? Um, I'm a lot more comfortable with the guests. I was nervous about talking to people. I'm, I'm fine with the technology, but just having people in the room and, and getting the sequence down of getting through pleasantries, which I detest, uh, and to the actual information. Yeah. Sometimes I'll have a guest on where they will promote their product before they answer the question or they'll answer the question and then tie it into promoting their product. And I just cut that part. I just, <laughs> I, I take the answer and I cut out the part where they promoted themselves because they do it like 16 times over the hour. It drives That's me funny. nuts. We end up with the some of the episodes are more like 30 minutes instead of an hour yeah. because of that. Well, what I like about that is that you're really being considerate uh, about your uh, your audience, the, the, what you're delivering to your audience. Like you want to be clear that this is the type of show that you have and it's not about coming in and, and promoting your stuff. Um, and I like the fact that as a host and as a producer, you're cognizant of that and the experience that you want the listener to have, and which is why you're so ruthless in, in cutting that stuff out. Well, you know, I, I, I have a love-hate relationship with Project Runway. I love that it's, it was exciting in the beginning, but I hate it now, and I hate the fake drama and, and that it's just not as interesting anymore. It doesn't talk about making things. Mm -hmm. That's that's like window dressing on the drama that they're artificially creating. Um, so when I set out to create my own show about the fashion business, I wanted to be as far from that as possible. So we start with a sewing machine sound effect, and I say, this is American Fashion Podcast. I'm Charles Beckwith, here with Kathy Sheppes. She says hello so that they know who she is. Our guest this week is, and then the guest is introduced, and we're into it. Yeah. And and I usually try to start with a curveball for the guest. Like, we were doing an interview the other day. This wasn't the first question, but a, a question like this was that um, we were interviewing the CEO of Van Cleef Arpels, the yeah. jewelry company. Yeah. And I said, so you're the CEO of Van Cleef Arpels. That's weird. How did you get to do that? <laughs> And yeah, you know, it, it throws them off a little yeah. bit. It makes the energy a little better. So it's not so stiff and, and try to get into having an interesting conversation as quickly as possible. Yeah, it's really a challenge. And as, as podcast hosts, you know, we're always li I, I, listening and looking for different ways and opportunities to, to, so the listener has that feel of, of it being a casual conversation because we've all heard those interviews where it just sounds super stilted and, and like the, the, the people don't know each other and it's just awkward yes, no questions. And you're like, well, I didn't really learn anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't publish those episodes. <laughs> so you have had those. <laughs> I, I've had a couple of those and I either cut it down from a 35 minute conversation to 15 
or I end it early in the interview. Hmm. If if people don't have something to say, yeah. I'm not going to waste my listeners' time. Yeah, I it's, love that. No, I'm cutting them off. Yeah. <laughs> so this is part of um, your Mouth Media Network. And so yeah. I, I definitely want to get into that. Was um, Which was the... F- so you start... I want to talk a little bit about your idea for starting the network and uh, which was the, the first show you had. It was, was American Fashion Podcast your first show? American Fashion okay. was the first show i was working at a company that was trying to reshore garment production back to the united states and i was supposed to be building the media lab but we never got the company funded so i never got the media lab built but the coo of that company is a guy named rob sanchez and um we were both really into fashion technology and and where the industry is going and American fashion podcast, I did mostly for fashion designers to listen to. And so I didn't want it to get too technical. Yeah. And so Rob was interested in doing a show and I said, why don't you do the fashion technology show? So he brought in his friend, Pavan Ball, who actually introduced the two of us. And then another producer named Mark Rako that Rob had met somehow. So then the four of us were doing these two shows. I was doing American Fashion Podcast with my two former uh, fashion editors, and then it was the three of them on Fashion Is Your Business. And then that company we're at kind of imploded, and we left, and then we tried consulting on fashion technology for a while, but startups don't have a lot of money, and we started to realize that the podcast thing had some potential. Um, it also had some problems, but it had potential. Um, so now we've got 15 shows that we're producing. Um, there's probably about, I think 12 more in the pipeline there in different States of, um, do we have a sponsor for this to make it happen or things like that? So what we found as we were going is that niche podcasts are really difficult to monetize because you don't know who your audience is. Yeah. And so we kept thinking about that problem and looking at different ways of solving it. We did live events and we tried ticketed live events and then we just invited the fans for free and did different ways of looking at it. So we we started talking to other podcasters and we found out that everybody has trouble monetizing these things. Um, I think the CPM is like $25 for a thousand listens. That's the average, yeah. Yeah. So if you've got 10,000 people listening to you every week, you're only making $250 a week, which is, you know, you spend (laughs) 30 hours a week editing your podcast and putting it together. And that's just not a living wage. So how does that work? So we we actually built some technology that's coming out very soon. It's going to be at mouthplayer.com is the the website. And um, we're looking for producers to submit their RSS feeds for our index now. Because a, a lot of these players, they just pull the RSS feeds off of iTunes or yeah. Google, and they're actually violating the terms of service of the podcasters. So we want everybody to volunteer their RSS feed to come and sign up on their own. We built in rich media so you can do bonus content. You can do it for free or you can have the listeners pay for it. So you could do like a slideshow as the audio is playing. You can download PDFs. We can have it. You can tell your listeners to pause the show and look at the video and then come back. Uh, so you could direct them to a YouTube clip and it's right there inside the player. Nice. 
Yeah, you, so, you you previewed it for me a little bit at uh, LA Podfest, and and what I saw was r- really uh, really cool. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm excited, and I'll I'll definitely be submitting my show and my client shows as well. Make sure we're all on the network. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So there there's an RSS sign up form linked at mouthplayer.com for anybody who wants to sign up. Uh, we're in private beta right now, and um, that should be over at the end of November, and then we're kind of putting it out there um some of the features won't be turned on until probably late january yep. we're we're releasing you know first version in december and then january a lot more features will be turned on but it's got amazing features like most podcast players were designed to be music players yep. they weren't designed for consuming a podcast so we built a podcast player that is for podcasts so there's you can take notes you can make bookmarks you can take clips out and share them socially right while you're listening inside the inside the player it's got a lot of cool features i i can't even remember all the stuff my my colleague rob sanchez uh has been running the tech build and he had so many ideas for this because he just is so frustrated with the podcast players that are out there and he's gone wild with our, our dev team out of india that they've been building all this cool shit it's it's great yeah, I'm I'm a fan of Overcast, and there's little tweaks there. One of the one of the pet peeves is I can't save a episode in perpetuity after having listened to it. It just drops out because there's some episodes that are really cool, and I always like to refer back to them. But I end up leaving the last couple of seconds as unplayed because I don't want it to disappear because I'm out of sight, out of mind. So it'd be interesting oh, yeah. to, to have like some sort of bookmark feature or something where you can keep your favorites, even if you have played them. But we we don't want to kill the other players either. We we are really open to licensing the technology and letting other people play with it. Um, we're building an ad network into the back end yep. that is specifically for the niche podcasters. So we lo- we want lots of people to use our player and, and to create their own versions of, the, of our player through a licensing program that, that's probably coming out in December, I think. What's, what's uh, the, is it free premium or freemium or is there a price point on it? The, the, the app itself? Yeah. Uh, it's free. Okay. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, our our business is taking a little bit of the Shopify transactions and having the ad network, and that's going to be obviously shared with the producers. So. Yeah, are you working in a, a payment gateway as well? Because that's one of the challenges with some of these uh, the actual collection of the the money. And if it's pretty seamless, maybe through a, a PayPal or a Stripe API. I wonder if if you looked at that. I, I'm not sure. Rob's been doing the build, so okay. I, I I haven't been in that involved in it. Um, but I know payments are inside the app. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so what have, had you previously worked on a mobile app before? I had designed a couple that never got built. Okay. Um, I I played with some of the rapid prototyping stuff, but yeah, uh, yeah I, I'd never actually gotten one done, and this has been. An adventure. Rob actually flew over to India to to get the the version for the beta done. Oh, really? And he just got back. And when I was in LA, he was he had just come back from India. Nice. Yeah. yeah it seems like you have you're fearless when it comes to trying and testing out new technologies. I love tech. I I, I had issue number two of Wired magazine oh. before H and R Block bought it. I mean. Wired was was basically like 2600 magazine with cool graphics back yeah, then. It was, yeah. you know, it was it was articles by basically hackers and you know, there were the people running Silicon Valley now. Yeah. They're wearing suits now, but yeah. That's so funny. I just saw a graphic of um 
Kevin Kelly, something I was working on with a because a client had interviewed him previously, and I was pulling up their their transcription notes, and I just literally saw his face today. <laughs> and Kevin Kelly is the the founder of Wired, so it's weird how some of these synchronicities happen. Um, yeah, he was one of those old school guys. I mean, he was on the Well, yeah. the the Whole Earth Electronic Link, which was the the Whole Earth Catalogs mm-hmm. BBS system, where a lot of the old old school Silicon Valley people had their email addresses were at at the well. Yeah. Yeah. It seems, so it seems like you've been involved in this for a long period of time, especially that, I mean, 2600 magazine is almost like the hacker's Bible. Uh, I, I recently saw one in a bookstore the other day and I was like, wow, they're still, they're still publishing. Yeah, actually I, I had uh, a piece of fiction published in the back of it a couple issues back nice. and uh, I helped run their conference. So I, I'm, I'm with the hackers. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, actually, I, I, I stepped back a, a while back. I haven't been running it directly lately yeah. but yeah i was the projects coordinator for three of the conferences and was, my idea was was to create an rfid badge and uh, we started hacking the privacy idea of rfid and uh t- people tracking it was you know you could take the battery out of the badge and turn yeah. it off but a lot of things to, you can't do that like your passport has rfid and yeah. you have to put foil to code it and yeah <laughs> so we, we were playing with that that was way back I think that was 2006. Yeah, we're, we're definitely living in interesting times and this idea of being tracked and Big Brother. And I think people almost feel like they just have to uh, accept that that's a way of life right now, which is kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, there's a bit of a pendulum at work. Yeah. And we may see a strong pushback, but I think we're going to see things go bad before they get better. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but we won't make this a political episode. <laughs> no, no. No, um, that for that listen to off the hook on WBAI. <laughs> um talk a little bit about the network. How do you determine what the shows are they and is it all original content or are you starting to have people su- submit to, for the network? Uh right now it's it's mostly in-house. Uh one of the shows 16 weeks mm-hmm. is about a guy training for a super marathon. He's down in North Carolina and that was a friend of Mark's who wanted to do a show, and so we put, pulled that in the network. We met Vikram Ayer, who used to be the head of the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office under President Obama, and he wanted to do a political show, so we are helping him produce that. But most of the shows that we have right now are spinoffs of Fashion is Your Business. Okay. So we have Travel is Your Business, Material is Your Business, Beauty is Your Business, and for Mouth Media Network, not not the podcast player, there's Mouth, Play, Mouth Player and Mouth Media Network. Uh, Mouth Media Network, we say we're the business of lifestyle. So we do business-to-business kind of shows that CEOs okay. listen to. Okay. And so what have you learned from actually putting together a, a network and had you done something like that previously? I never do anything twice. <laughs> really don't. We never have guests on that are about the same topic. It's... Yeah. I, I've done crazy things before. Yeah. Like like doing the, the RFID badges for the Hope Conference. But uh, yeah, no, I, I've never put a network together. I ran a fashion magazine, but that, this is completely different. And so what are some of the things you've learned along the way? What are some of the uh, the hiccups along the way in building a network? Because it's, it's re- really relevant for podcasters. There's a lot of podcast networks out there. Um, and I'm and I'm wondering if you used any of those as a model, or you just literally started from scratch. We we didn't really follow any models. I, I think Rob read up on a bit of stuff, but um, I just kind of wing it. Um, 
I look for interesting people who are experts mm -hmm. and try to build shows around them. Okay. And the rest of the guys kind of followed me in doing that. So that's how we got beauty is your business and material is your business were just people. I, I thought this person would be a great host for a show and that person would be a great host for the show because they're so curious and um, it just kind of comes together. But then we have other people approaching us to produce shows for their companies. Mm -hmm. Content is your business is for a company called 24 seven, which is a talent agency uh, for, for businesses, not, not like actors, but they find uh, their headhunters. Yeah. They fill positions. So we're doing content with them and they have big makeup agency clients and things like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm really um, curious. How, I'm always curious about the journey of people's journey of how they ended up here. And obviously I, I think when you went in to, to start studying for film school and I don't, I don't know if you ever thought that <laughs> this is where you'd be at, at this point in your, in your life. No, I, I thought uh, I'd be pretty far along at having being a showrunner for television shows. Okay. But then, you know, that that was my thought in high school. And then television and film really changed um, for a while. There were no jobs. And that was basically when I was in college for film and it looked like everything was collapsing. Movies weren't making money. Piracy online. I mean, Napster hit around like 1998. Yeah. And that's when I was in film school. So, yeah, media looked really in danger. And uh, it was kind of scary. Like, you're you're going to school for something and there are no jobs on the other side. Mm. But I, I guess from the audio aspect, I when I was in high school, I worked at a radio station. Okay. It was a nonprofit community radio station with, but it was a hundred thousand Watts. So it reached from Yorktown, Virginia up to Richmond. It was crazy. Yeah. It was the most powerful student operated high school radio station in the United States. And we, we said that a lot, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did Friday afternoon drive time for, well, I had over 1700 hours on the air when I graduated from high school. Nice. So, when it came to the idea of doing a podcast, I'd been listening to Off the Hook from WBAI mm -hmm. for a long time because the 2600 guys put that online before anybody knew what a podcast was. Mm -hmm. so they were doing real media. So I just thought it would be interesting to do another show that was like Off the Hook for fashion. And so I had a panel, a group of people, and it just kind of worked and it's been fun. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about your approach to con making connections and networking? Because you did something interesting when you were out here in LA. We met at LA PodFest and then you had a, a barbecue that you put together uh, with friends. And then I, I think it was then that I realized that you, you know, you weren't based here, but it's something when I mentioned it to you that you, you like to do on a consistent basis to try to look for ways for people to connect. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about that and where where that idea is born? I think. Everybody on my team here, um, all four of the founders at Mouth Media Network, we're connecting people. Mm -hmm. And um, one of my favorite things to do is to put two interesting people who don't know each other in the same room and just watch. <laughs> like, I love that. That's uh, cool. And, and, and I, I love doing that with the podcast because I have an interesting co-host and then I put somebody interesting in front of them and, and just kind of see how the dynamic builds and what they're interested in about each other. Yeah. So I, I love just being a connector kind of person. And 
for business, it, it works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to say, oh, you should know that person. Oh, you should know that person. And, you know, you do that a couple of times and people start referring back to you. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the, the stone soup idea of the, um, you know that story? No, I, I think I have. It sounds familiar, but can you re- retell so, it for, for the benefit of our listener? There's three soldiers, and they're coming back from war, and they pass through a village, and everybody looks like they're starving, um, and they're asking for food because the soldiers are starving, and um, the villagers say, we don't have any food. We're all starving. And the soldiers kind of look around, and you know, some people don't look that bad they've been through other villages where people are starving and Mm -hmm. these people don't look dead yet so they get they have this big black cooking pot and they fill it with water and uh the guy takes stones out of his bag and puts them in the pot and the villagers say what are you doing he says well i'm making stone soup and so the water's boiling oh this would be better if there were onions Suddenly somebody shows up with onions (laughs) and then somebody shows up with carrots and chicken and whatever. And, and suddenly the entire village is fed Mm. just because of this idea of getting people to share. And sometimes you have to trick them into it. (laughs) Um, and in, in the hacking community, uh, Nobody else calls it this, but I call it macro social engineering. Social engineering is where you hack the person instead of the machine. So mm-hmm. like to, to get into the computer, you get the person to tell you the password instead of trying to hack into the machine. Yeah, yeah. But macro social engineering is more like community and you're, you're hacking a community. It's like politics. And that's actually the specialization that I say I have in, in the hacking community is that I'm a connector person and, and I help people – redirect their resources so that they help more people. That's really fascinating. And and I think it's something that goes overlooked and a lot of people don't do a do it to begin with and, and B do it well enough or, or take it seriously or feel like it's something that they need to be doing, per, you know, uh, for the lifetime of their, their business career, because it's not something that you do once and you feel like you wait and see if anything happened or if there was any benefits out of it. I just go out the door curious and, I like when people interact that are smart and yeah, it it just works. Do you have uh, someone that inspired you as you were going along this journey that did something similar or is there a mentor in the space or someone that, you know, you saw that and and you tried to, you know, replicate what that idea was because you saw it was having success. They were having success with it. Um, not, not in that particular direction. No, that's just kind of been who I was. Mm Mm-hmm. Like that's always been kind of who I was. Is that, um, is that, do you recall a time when you were younger where you started to put those skills into use? Um, probably not until I was in college. Okay. I was very shy getting over being shy takes a lot of effort and, yeah. and took a lot of time. But, mm-hmm. um, I started working on trying to get a public television station built. Okay when I was in living in North Carolina, when I was in college, I was the chairman of the Wilmington public television foundation. Uh, and we got kind of close, but politics changed in the town and that didn't happen. I went off to grad school, but that organizing of a group and, and running meetings and things like that was always interesting to me. And And I, I was president of a a hell of a lot of (laughs) 
extracurricular activities in high school. Uh, I, I was either president or vice president, I think, of like nine or ten clubs when I was a senior. Was, that, well, that's I, what, that's I, what, I that's... had terrible, gri- <laughs> terrible grades, but I ran the theater. <laughs> well, that's one way to get over your shyness, right? Yeah. And so do you, do you maintain a lot, of, a, a lot of those relationships still? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I still talk to a lot of people. <laughs> That's good. That, well, it seems like it comes in handy now with what you're doing now and, and in terms of connecting people because there may be even opportunities to connect people that you're currently meeting with people that you've met maybe even years ago. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's why I like like going to L.A. I mean, you met two people there that were friends from film school in North Carolina. Yeah. And, um, it, it It's not so good to be in New York. I'm starting to make that work here in New York. But if I go down to Wilmington, North Carolina, there's lots of people that I like connecting with. And Yeah. Very cool. A couple other questions as, as we wrap up I'm, uh, that I ask all my guests. What's something that you've changed your mind about recently? Oh, I don't know. I don't change my mind very much. <laughs> usually, uh, usually mind is, is pretty set when it comes to making decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty solid. <laughs> That's good to know. Um, what's, uh, the most misunderstood thing about you? I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> the, are there things that people, um, your friends have, have said or, or, the way people have perceived you um, is something that's maybe not in line with the people who are close to you uh, know that how you really are. Well, I, I think um, except when I'm really excited and interested in, about something like at the podcast conference, I'm usually kind of shy at first. Mm-hmm. And so people don't know that I'm deep and that I want all I want is deep conversations. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really do small talk. And how long would you say it takes for you to get to that when you meet a new person or you establish a new relationship where you feel like you can start having some of those deep conversations? I don't know. It really depends on the people that I meet. Yeah. (laughs) And the topic. Yeah, I think so. That also. Yeah. Some people it's almost instant. Like they will say something in a certain way Mm -hmm. and that I'll kind of tilt my head and ask them a question and then, we just start going and it's an hour, two hours later and we're still talking about completely random things, but it's like a, a tele- telepathic kind of exchange, <laughs> like brain dump, double yeah. brain dump. Yeah. So, you know, it's fun when you meet those people where you get that feeling that you're like separated at birth or something or, <laughs> you know, you just have that one connection where you vibe on and, and time seems to come by so quickly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So as, as you, you've, Obviously, got a lot on your plate. Not only, I mean, most podcasters feel like they're they're doing a lot when they've got just one show. That's <laughs> with a, with a weekly production schedule. But you've got a, a ton of shows on your network. Uh, the site looks fantastic, and it you have. It seems like there's no sign of you slowing up. You've got the you've got the app coming up as well, which is it sounds like it's going to be amazing for podcasters. So, what is it as you as you think about you know what's what's coming up in in the next year um, that's got you excited? with uh, as it relates to either your shows or or, or the network well i think the network's going to grow quite a bit we're probably going to separate the network and the player as companies and i'm i'm more going to stay with the network and keep finding producers and plugging people into things to create interesting shows so i'm really looking forward to that and having a travel budget uh being able to get around a bit more and and meet more people around who, who do interesting stuff 
Are you accepting submissions for the network? Uh, yeah, yeah. We're, um, I think we're podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Okay. Uh, that goes to Mark Rako and, um, anybody who wants to talk to us as a company can, uh, just kind of give Mark a shout. I'm also Charles at mouthmedianetwork.com. If anybody wants to reach out to me directly, uh, I am the director of innovation and exploration. So I don't get into the day to day stuff so much. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm more of the fire and forget weapon. They, you know, it's, <laughs> Go meet with those people. There's an event going on. I come back yeah. with 15 cards, and one of them's the CEO of Amex. You know, I, yeah. <laughs> and then you and then you you have your team start to make those connections, and then and see what comes out of it. Yeah, I, I kind of hand off the connections to the people that make sense, and yeah. and we go with go for it, and and then I get to work with those people that I met later because uh, we get to bring them in, have them do shows, and it's fun. I, I love making new shows that talk about di- different kind of esoteric things. Well, it seems like uh, you're doing great things. And one of, the, one of the things that I love personally about getting out there to, to conferences um, is not having any preconceived notions about what I'm going to experience, who I'm going to meet, or if there's anything there that that at, at first glance does not look interesting to me. Because if people just said, oh, comedy podcast, I don't do comedy and it's not my niche, you know, that might deter people. But I've gone enough times to know that it's sometimes the best conversations happen in the hallway or just even making one or two connections. And then it was definitely the case this year as well. So uh, I'm glad you ended up there because that's how this conversation happened. And, you know, it's just so great to see all the different ways people are are doing an amazing things with their show. I mean, you not only have the podcast, you've got this amazing network and you've got this player and, and, and now more people will know about it because of this interview. So it seems like that's your modus operandi. So do you've got, do you have some uh, upcoming podcast conferences on your schedule? Yeah. Um, we're, we're looking forward to the, the big one that's in Philadelphia Yes, podcast uh, in July. Yeah. yeah that's, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, there's a couple of podcasts. We just we just set up a wiki, and I've been dumping the podcast conferences into okay. the wiki in, in, in a like quarterly calendar. And now I can't remember the names of any of them. There's, but, a, there's a couple. Yeah. Com- there's a there's one in Seattle coming up. Podcon Seattle. That's a brand new one. Uh, that's December 9th and 10th. And then that, that's the major ones this year. Obviously, there's a couple. There's new ones starting in Australia as well. There's one called We Are Podcast that just uh, wrapped up. Is is, is this weekend? Uh, DC Podfest is in November 10th and 11th in DC, and then there's the PodCon Podfest. It's, this is it, this this gets confusing because you run out of terms to call a conference. Yeah. That's not Podfest or conference. There's a Podfest multimedia uh, conference in Florida, which is really fantastic, um, and I'm going to that. I'll be there in February. Excellent, excellent. Uh, it, it's fun. I'm, I'm going to the CCC okay. at the end of December, which is the Chaos Communication Congress, Interesting. Uh, which, which it's the German Hackers uh, Conference. <laughs> and they do that every year. I think it's like the 23rd or 24th annual CCC. And also their their club is called the CCC, which is confusing. There's the Chaos Communications Club and the Chaos Communications Congress. And then they also do every other year the chaos communications camp which is they build a city in a field in germany and people come from all over the world to to hang out and camp out with with other hackers it's and i i haven't gone to that one yet i'm i really want to go to that but i'm, I'm starting out with just the congress and in, 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 uh just before new year's this year sounds like it has a bit of a burning man vibe to it yeah uh, a little more wired <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Charles, you're definitely living an interesting life, and and I think um, a lot of people can, can will be inspired by the fact that um, it seems like there's nothing that you won't try, and and you're just following your curiosity. So I, I really thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Thank you. Uh, so what's the best place for folks to track you down or, or to connect with you? I know you shared your email address as well sure. earlier. I, I am fashion tech guru on just about everything on Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter. Our show is American Fashion Podcast. We're American Fashion Show on Instagram and AFPOD on Twitter. AmericanFashionPodcast.com is the site. Okay. And and then MouthMediaNetwork.com is where all of our shows are and Mouth Player is where the player will be. Okay. So we'll make sure we include all of those in the show links. And um, I'm looking forward to all the good things you have coming up. And there's some exciting stuff that I'm going to be uh, keeping a close eye on. So thanks again for taking the time. Harry, do you want to be in the beta? I'll send you of the course. app. Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> awesome. Okay. All right. Thanks, Charles. Thank you. So thanks again to Charles for coming on the show. So much fun to see what comes out of attending conferences, to meet people like Charles who are doing great things, master connectors, doing fantastic things with the podcast, Podcast Network, and now delving into the app. Lots of fun stuff there. So make sure you re-listen if you missed any of that. Don't forget to support our episode sponsors this week, Podbean at podbean.com slash podcastjunkies, and our newest sponsor, Podcast Movement, July 23rd through the 25th in Philadelphia. That'll be my fifth year. I can't wait to see you, podcastmovement.com. Don't forget to tune in next week for my conversation with Karen Yankovich, another contact made at Joe Pardo's MapCon, and she's the host of Good Girls Get Rich. A lot of energy with Karen. We really had a lot of fun, and I think you're, we left a lot, and those are one of my favorite types of conversations, so make sure you tune into that. That's going to be episode 158. If you made it this far, you're no doubt hanging on for that uh, retention hashtag in honor of what Charles is doing with the fashion industry. We're going to go with uh, hashtag fashion Charles, one word, and you can tag Charles at fashion tech guru. So that's uh, F-A-S-H-I-O-N-T-E-C-H-G-U-R-U and tag us at podcast underscore junkies. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter to receive my weekly updates. The easiest way to do that is podcastjunkies.com slash eight tools. And if you've signed up already, make sure you get that review in. I'm still waiting patiently for folks who have said they would and they haven't. And you know that I'm speaking specifically to you right now, podcastjunkies.com slash iTunes. Thanks for everything you do to support the show on all the social media platforms, all the comments, all the the pats on the back, all the high fives. Everything you do is my oxygen, and I love to see it and hear it. Every single day, it motivates me to move forward and do great things for you guys. Have a fantastic day.